0: Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Chapter Storm. I'm here with Josh and Sam. Hello guys.
1: Hello! Hello!
0: And today, uh, I want to talk about why people hate the things they hate in magic. But before we get into that, what have you guys been up to in the world of magic? What have you been playing? Etc.
2: When you say why people hate things that they hate in magic, are you talking about like um, deodorant? You're not answering
3: the question, right. Josh. Yeah. Sorry, what have I been up to?
2: Um,
3: also,
0: how rude to Magic players. <laughs> um,
2: um, I have been playing Standard uh, a fair bit. Uh, and uh, this week, there has actually been some interesting developments in Standard. I think these are developments that we haven't actually seen develop into the metagame yet, because they're very recent discoveries. But I think... That we may see a major change in favour of control decks in um, in the Midnight Hunt standard, because uh, mm-hmm. popular content creator Covert Go Blue has discovered a wincon in uh, a wincon for blue-based control decks um, that he's been using this week okay. and hasn't really seen much use. Um, uh, before that, it was a card that was printed in Midnight Hunt. Any speculation as to what it might be?
3: Um, well, the only thing I can think, or the only thing I can remember seeing is that the the card that steals a permanent. Um, mm-hmm. Because the one, that's the, the enchantment where it's like you control enchanted permanent, but you have to sacrifice a creature in addition to its yeah, cast. Um, and I know people have been using that in Storm the Festival Face
2: grafted identity,
3: right? Yeah, yeah. Grafted mm-hmm. identity, and I know people have been using it in Storm the Festival decks because you don't have to pay the sacrifice creature cost, making it a four mana Stealer yeah, creature, basically. Yeah. Um, that's pretty good. So I I know that's been pretty well, uh, but yeah, I don't know if that's the I don't know if that's. Let me
2: con. let me ask so, you this, yeah. Sam and Sarah. Um, what makes mm-hmm. a win con in a control deck in Standard? Um, we could look at. It's a card that has a condition that makes you win. <laughs> yes, basically, uh, and there are various ways to achieve that. So historically Teferi Hero of Dominaria was a win con not because it kills your opponent mm-hmm. but because it gives you so much advantage that it effectively is the card that once you play it and it resolves and it lasts a turn you've pretty much won the game because um, it gives you immediate advantage yeah. and it lets you hold up counterspell magic and Teferi yeah so it, it, it didn't win you the game on the spot but it is a win condition like once you've resolved Teferi and he sticks around you pretty much won the game mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um in a more recent control deck, uh, Dream Trawler was a win-con. Because it's a big threat that can finish your opponent by flying in the air and getting you cards, and it's hard to deal with. So, different kind of win-con, because once it hits the battlefield and starts doing its thing, your opponent actually loses life. So, different mm-hmm. win-con. Mm-hmm. Um, even older than that, uh, and this is probably... Contestable, but uh, mass manipulation is another win con. Mass manipulation is blue, 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 x, x for a spell that reads mm. uh, you gain control of x target permanence, I think, or x target non land yeah, permanence, so or something it, like that. Uh, so if you pay six mana, so yeah, you so get it, one, yeah. if you pay eight mana, you get two. Um, and if you pay, so if, if, you pay four mana, and then for every two mana on top of that that you pay, you get an extra permanent. So if you throw a, a ton of mana into it, you gain control of your opponent's whole board, and that is a win con.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, the mm-hmm. win con that CGB has uh, discovered this week is Lear, disciple of the Drowned,
1: oh. which is oh, I see hmm, okay. three
2: blue blue for a legendary creature human wizard 3 4 so uh, 3 4 power and toughness and it reads spells can't be countered. each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard has flashback the flashback cost is equal to that card's mana cost Mm. Um, and this is actually really interesting because it's a mythic in the set and it was kind of considered a trash mythic to begin with. And, and some people were thinking about maybe it could be in commander. But CGB has found its slot in blue-white control and blue-black control in standard. Because Lear comes down for five mana. And uh, it gives you... like You basically draw your entire graveyard. Which in a control deck is absurd. Mm. It makes the... Um, mm. it makes the devious cover-up loop look kind of like child's play in comparison uh, devious cover-up is a counterspell that lets you target four cards in your graveyard and shuffle them back into your library, so you can target four counterspells, shuffle them back in and then you just have like a critical mass of counterspells in your deck mm-hmm. uh, But and if you have two of them of course you can just keep looping them, uh, so th- that's pretty cool and that's what people have been doing but Lear comes down on turn five and literally you just draw your whole graveyard so that's all of the life yeah. gain, all of the counter spells, all of the like, just all of the control cards. You just get access to them again, which gives you such an obscene advantage that it it doesn't win you the game on the spot, but it does close out the game. It gives you so much advantage that it's just insurpassable, and your opponent cannot win.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, however, I think the reason that people overlook this is that Lear means that you can't counter spells either. Uh, it reads, spells can't be counted, which means that your spells can't be counted uh, and you can't counter your opponent's spells. But what what you right. can do, uh, and so what, what you, the, the Lear package is um, running Lear and running copies of Divide by Zero and Fading Hope, both of which uh, bounce a creature back to your hand
1: mm-hmm.
2: or back to its owner's hand. Right. Um, and so you can, if you have Lear on the battlefield... Um, while it's still fairly unknown in the format, your opponent thinks that nothing can be countered, so they think they can resolve their Storm of the Festival. hmm Um, you can put a counterspell on the stack from your graveyard, because Lear gives it flashback.
0: Yeah.
2: Target the Storm of the Festival, then flashback your Fading Hope for an additional one blue mana. That's all it costs. Mm-hmm. To Put that, put that on the yeah. stack on top of the counter spell, target Lear. Lear goes back to your hand. Storm the Festival gets countered successfully. Yeah. So, for mm-hmm. like, and in a control game, um, you know, if you're playing things like Consider, uh, you're able to fill your graveyard quite nicely before you're playing Lear. Uh, so, your, your chances of you having a counter spell and one blue mana and a Fading Hope in the graveyard are pretty likely. Uh, so, Lear kind of. Just, it gives you so much advantage. And if you do need to counter something, the first few will only cost you one blue mana.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and later in the game, once you've used up all your fading hopes and you've exiled them, because they have flashback and they go into exile, you can start playing your divide by zeros instead. And so each counter spell gives you, like, costs you an additional three mana. But in the late game, that's totally possible. And in a control deck, you know, by this point in the game, you've played so many counter spells from your hand and then also from the graveyard and you're, you're pretty likely to be able to pull that off. Like three mana for a, uh, a, mm. a, a flashback sword coming, plus three mana for a divide by zero. That's, that's six mana to counter what at this point is probably your opponent's nine mana storm the festival. It's worth it
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and it works. And it, it's actually very, very good. And so this package of Divide by Zero, Fading Hope, and Lear, Disciple of the Drowned seems to be the control win-con that the decks have needed to really close out the games. Um, yeah. And, you know, Le- Lear is a 3-4, so once you really get into controlling... Well, you normally don't attack with Lear. You'd normally have, like, Hall of the Storm Giant um, or some other creature lands to close out the game. But, yeah, Lear is a five-mana mythic that was kind of overlooked in the set. But actually, I think um, we haven't seen this happen yet uh, because this is a very, very new discovery. Only the last couple of days, really, that people have started to cotton on to how powerful this card is. But I think that control decks... um, So what's interesting about this is that positionally in the meta... These layer control decks, which run loads of counter spells and stuff, prey on storm the festival decks, um, and uh, and run in seven decks. Uh, like that right, the, okay. the control decks do beat those kind of green mid range ramp decks, and those green mid range ramp decks. If you'll recall from last week's episode, I was kind of feeling like standard was going to stagnate because everything was just. Uh, a Seeker's Chariot, Ren and Seven, Storm the Festival with another colour for flavour. Mm-hmm. Um, but those decks just fold to this control package with Lyr. You just cannot res- resolve a big spell. And if you do, um, control decks like Blue, White or Blue, Black have enough ways to remove the creature. And then they play Lear and they literally just draw their whole graveyard. And it's, it's pretty damn good.
1: Mm.
2: And it's very well positioned. Okay. in the meta right now. And this is really, really great. So then... I'm really happy about yeah. this because um, if the control decks start to really take over, then Mono White is probably going to become, you know, the deck that feasts on the control decks. And, uh, you know, Mono Green is going to be the deck that feasts on Mono White. And it's that's that's a good meta. That's a really good meta where so you know, it's kind of tumultuous yeah, like that.
3: It's, it's going back to the... the the triangle, I would mm-hmm. say. like the, the the standard triangle is always mid-range decks will beat the aggro decks really easily. And that was the case because the Run and Seven seekers Chariot deck will just stomp over any kind of yeah. aggro deck that existed. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they're getting stomped by the control decks, and then the control decks will often lose to aggro
2: decks. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, the control decks just, I think yeah, they okay. didn't Pretty quite cool. have, it, the control deck wasn't good enough. Uh, to be worth playing, so control wasn't really checking mid range last week, but now it is. Um, yeah. Or I think I think that now this new control deck will be checking mid range, and yeah, it's great. It's really great.
3: That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. That's an interesting thing. Then, so so the meta is is kind of a triangle again, like a the old Fire Emblem triangle <laughs> uh, or the Pokemon triangle kind of thing. So, um. All right. So because that that makes me think then because previous comparing that to previous standards where we've had things like ultimatum as your control slash mid-range kind of deck um the the i would it's, it's interesting because the one deck that kind of puts a dagger into that triangle uh will often be a blue tempo deck blue tempo decks like rogues would kind of ruin standard mm-hmm, a little yeah. bit they would you know, blue blue tempo decks would beat things like Soul Tite Ultimatum quite easily. Uh, they're also insanely good against aggro decks as well. Um and there wasn't I'm not sure I'm not too sure about the mid range decks in previous standards, but I can imagine rogues would do very well against Storm the Festival decks if they were still a thing. Uh, so maybe that's the next thing to look out for is is there any kind of tempo deck that can rise from rise from the ashes, maybe. Um and that way we can well, I guess I guess in theory we wouldn't want that because that would kind of ruin this harmonic three-way standard that we have right now. But um, yeah, so that that's interesting that uh, you know tempo decks seem to be the the way <laughs> It at is. The end of the day. I do
2: like tempo decks too because you know, uh, like I, last yeah. time I took a break from standard and came back in, uh, I missed all of Zendikar. Um, so by yeah. the time I came back in, everybody already hated rogues, and so I wasn't <laughs> going to build it. But I do think that if I'd have played through Zendikar, mm. Rogues would have, to begin with, Rogues would have been would have been exactly the kind of deck that I like to build. Um,
3: yeah, no. Rogues is one of those decks where it's awful to play against, and that's why people hated it, but it wasn't inherently overpowered. It was a tier one deck, but like you can't just freely rank with that deck. You really, really have to make some of the best decisions yeah. of your life for that deck to be good. Um, it's a very, very. It was a very difficult deck to play, the rogue's deck. Uh, and and if anyone says anything otherwise, I just feel like you've never played the rogue's deck <laughs> um, because it's it's not an easy deck to pilot. Pretty much, it's, it was a really interesting deck. It was fascinating to fascinating to watch high level people play. Like um, one of the winners wasn't it the Arnie oh Hushen my God. battles? He was one of the winners of. Well, he he was incredible. Yeah, he was incredible with the rogue's yeah. deck. Um, like revolutionary, almost. So, you know, there's there's there it begs the question of, like, the the tempo decks that could have emerged. There's some uh, interesting kind of styles to be had Mm -hmm. with those, Uh, interesting play styles, and, uh, you know, in terms of deck difficulty, that was definitely up there. But then I compare that to things like the mono-blue tempo deck that was existed a while ago. Um, That kind of run, that would run things like, uh, was it, Jin Jin wins or something like that. Uh, Tempest Jin, something like that. Uh, was
2: Tempest Jin uh, the one? The mono blue that gets guitar. yeah uh, plus one plus one for each island you control.
3: Uh, and I think it was uh, four toughness with a flying creature with X power, where X is the number of islands you control. So it got stronger. It right um, the idea no, that was... of that was kind of like a mono blue flash deck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like a mono blue flash mm-hmm. deck. And I think that deck was really easy to play because you only really needed to play things on your turn, on the opponent's turn. Um, and it was quite simple because you had a 1, 2, 3, 4 curve uh, and then you just play countless spells. Yeah. So it was quite a simple. I deck used to, to love play, that deck. But in
2: comparison to Rogues, yeah, it, it's a cool deck, but it was fairly yeah, simple. fairly like simple. Dive Downs and uh, uh, the the Murfolk one that like bounces a creature. Uh,
3: that's the one, yeah, Murfolk Trickster. Uh, it. it it taps the creature
2: and they lose their abilities. Yeah, um,
3: yeah. So it was an interesting deck. Uh,
2: the Arnie Hushinbet play. I don't. It was so so good. And if anybody hasn't seen it, they should. Uh, I will try my best to describe what happened, but it is very complicated and it it, it might be it might be difficult to wrap your head around. Yeah. But Arnie was playing rogues against, I believe, Rakdos like Rakdos mid range. Mm. Or was it gruel but post yeah. sideboard it was it was it was either yes it was yeah. so he was so playing Agnes against Agnes, javier dominguez also a very very good player um javier was playing ox of Agonas, which uh is it's a card that has escape which means it's really good against rogues because it escapes for nine so you get to exile cards from your graveyard which powers down rogues mm-hmm. um javier had the ox in his hand though but he wait no i don't think that's correct it's uh
3: it escapes for two mana Agile and to exile eight, okay. eight cards yeah is
2: yeah. is yeah so you exile mm. eight and you you pay two mana so it technically has an escape yes, two yeah uh and and then exile eight uh so yeah. javier's play on this turn was to play ox Agonass, and then he knew it would be countered because you really don't want it to hit the battlefield mm-hmm. um because if it does, Javier gets to draw three cards. Basically, he discards his hand, draws three cards, but he had no cards in hand, so he's yep. just drawing three cards. Um, uh, so it definitely is going to get countered. But if it does, he can just escape it immediately, and it's going to hit the battlefield no matter what, um, and it's, it's kind of unavoidable. Um, so he plays it from his hand, and he he knows it's going to like either it resolves or it gets countered. If it gets countered, since there's nothing else on the stack then Javier gets priority again, Mm -hmm. which means that he can escape Mm -hmm. it before his opponent can cast Cling to Dust, which exiles it from the graveyard. Okay. So Arnie has Cling to Dust in his hand, but the, the ox isn't in the graveyard yet, and he can't play it until he has something to respond to.
1: Yeah.
2: And he wouldn't have got the opportunity. So what Arnie does, and it's genuinely... So clever to see this line of play. Um, Javier casts the Ox of Agonas. Arnie knows he's going to counter it, but mm-hmm. he knows if he does, then he's not going to be able to cling to dust it before it comes out the graveyard again. So, instead of countering it, he kills another one of Arnie's creatures, an, an edge wall innkeeper.
1: Okay.
2: With that kill trigger on the stack, then he counters the Ox. So the... Counterspell resolves, Mm -hmm. Ox goes to the graveyard, and there's still a stack to respond to. Javier has priority, all he can do is pass priority, because he doesn't have anything to do, and then Arnie gets priority again, so he can cast Cling to Dust, Exile the Ox, because you can only cast the Ox at sorcery speed, whereas the Exile is at instant speed, and it's just such, (laughs) such... Clever understanding of how the stack works and how priority works. Really, I I think you'd be able to find the clip somewhere on YouTube. Um, Really, like, really clever play. Yeah. Really, one of the best magic plays I've seen in a long time.
3: To kind of further... Yeah, to further sort of explain that as well, to make it easy to understand, um, the reason why... Javier would have priority in that situation in the first place was because you're not able to react. So another player can't react to mm. paying the cost for something, and paying the cost would have been mm. exiling those eight cards in your graveyard, and obviously Arnie really does not want that to happen. Um, so in, yeah he's able to make sure Javier's is not able to pay those costs straight away because you can't you can't react to that you can't uh, you, that's that's kind of how sacrifice works as well like you can't react to someone sacrificing something like you can't kill the thing they're mm-hmm. going to sacrifice because it's part of the cost uh, it's an in, it's not a, it's not an interruptible action so by doing that by doing the the method that he did he was able to make it very, interruptible very which is, and yeah, of course
2: um, just like when you cast something from your hand the sec- the second you cast it but before it's resolved it's not in your hand anymore, mm-hmm. so somebody can't make you discard it. Uh, when you mm-hmm. cast something from your graveyard, the second you've paid the cost for it, it's no longer in your graveyard. It's on the stack, yeah. which means it can't be exiled from your graveyard.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, it's yeah, lots of rules that you need to understand to even follow a play like that. Let alone mm-hmm. think ahead of time and make it. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just an example of um you know sometimes you watch pro level games and it's pretty much just magic on rails like the decisions are obvious all the way through mm-hmm. that play was one that i think very few people would have seen even other pros commented on it and said there's no way i would have seen that play yeah uh i think raf levy tweeted and said something like yeah, yeah. Uh, in a hundred and- years i would not have spotted <laughs> uh that play and they're professional magic players and
3: even um yeah, and Arnie Arnie Hushinbeth himself, I'm pretty sure he hadn't been playing magic for that <laughs> yeah. one. It was only like a year or two, right, um, prior to that tournament. So yeah. it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Um, for, you know, it's like one of us. Well, being able now to do that, that, that he's done much. it, I don't know whether <laughs> We're
2: in the same kind of situation. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. now we can all do it. Yeah, we
2: can do it now. <laughs> but yeah, it it was really really clever. Um, beautiful, beautiful play that uh, yeah really stands out to me. Uh, anyway. We've, yeah, uh, definitely we've definitely digressed. Yeah, the, <laughs> the topic. <magic> history. <laughs> I guess really recent, recent history, yeah, but it will go history. down in history. Yeah, I think as uh, as a as seriously impressive play. Yeah,
0: that's cool. I want to watch the clip just to see the other guy's face. Yeah,
3: in in a pretty in a stagnant standard. Yeah, in a, in a stagnant standard where it was like rogues and ultimatum. It was it was cool mm-hmm. to see that kind of play come out of that that kind of uh, era of magic because it, it wasn't exactly getting the most numbers I don't think that, that, uh, that tournament, um, not a lot of people were paying attention to it because it's, you know standard yeah. was fairly boring to watch at the time but that was, uh, yeah, that was it really was, good stuff, it was so. in the
2: middle of lockdown, so yeah, yeah that was cool interest um, in pro magic was waning, it was before yeah. wizards took it round back and shot it in the head uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it was definitely oh, on it's way out but yeah that's true So yeah, definitely a great play yeah. yeah so, cool. I don't know. It was
3: pretty.
0: Um cool. back on topic. Well, actually Sammy, have you been doing anything magic related worth talking about? Um
3: so I have not yeah, I've not this this past week I've, I've pretty much not played any standard at all. I've not really kept up with it much. Um not uh, not looked into it that much. I have, however, uh, built my new commander deck, which is very fun. Uh Tavala. It's currently two 100% win rate yeah, out for two games that it's played.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> nope. You got <laughs> destroyed. Is what happened. <laughs> um, yeah. I I built the deck. It's um, it's really fun. It's really well. It was. Re- it did really well. It was very really strong. It's uh, it's enjoyable. Uh, there's unfortunately quite a few cards that I've had to proxy because I simply just cannot find them anywhere. Um, not at our local game store, not on any websites that I used to buy cards. They're uh, all literally all just not available. Are banned. they older so cards? It's, uh, slightly or annoying, or just super popular
0: and that's why they're not in
3: stock. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't. I don't think they're too old. They would, some of them were like Innistrad, like original Innistrad cards, yeah. which would have been like twelve or so years ago. Um, and I don't know.
2: Like I. Maybe yeah, you I were just a anyway, so. little, little it's, bit it's slow is, off but... the mark and everybody who's building werewolf decks has bought up a bunch yeah, of werewolves. Fair. Yeah, Um It's possible. Probably. Yeah. I, everyone is building Tavala, from what I can tell. Well... It's, uh, it's an
3: interesting one. But it's, it's a fun, fun commander. It's really As fun. I
2: understand it, um, from conversations with our local game store, the uh, Blue Black Zombies Precon mm. is apparently <laughs> one of the best-selling pre-constructed commander decks uh, that they've ever, ever had. yeah. Yeah, Um, and that seems really popular. Yeah, Yeah, Someone in our play group bought the
0: deck. Really, really great. Second, they got rooftop storm out, which couldn't really do anything. (laughs) It is
3: a yeah. It's a fantastic deck. Yeah, it's a fantastic blue-black deck. Um, If you're looking to get into Magic: The Gathering, um, yeah, definitely keep in mind that that blue-black zombies precon is fairly simple to play. It's a tribal deck, and it's very, very powerful. Um, Probably, probably the most powerful one. I would say maybe, maybe second to the the AC AC deck. That one's really powerful as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, they're, they're both quite up there. So the precon decks are they're, they're pretty good up well,
2: there. Well, uh, of the recent no, we'll uh, precons, I think the most powerful precons historically yeah. are probably all of the ones that came out that one year where they did Eminence, because um, Eminence is just busted. Yeah, <laughs> like there's like <laughs> Over oh, right. Dragon yeah, has course, Eminence, yeah. and then Arabo, um, Edgar Markov. Were yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre-, pre cons? Pre-cons? Um Yeah. Wait, Anchor is sure. a precon? <laughs> with the one with, yeah, the eminence one. What the um f- That's crazy. Yeah, they're just that Eminence is just I such a broken that. mechanic. Uh it's it's a it's an effect that your commander has it's like a static ability, kinda like an enchantment, uh, but it's it's active even if they're in the command zone or the battlefield. And mm. so you just have it from turn one yeah, yeah it's, it's just zero man ability it's basically. such a huge advantage that those commanders are all super broken but they i don't think they're gonna ever do eminence again because it was just way too strong um and uh yeah in recent years yeah. in commander pre-cons that you can buy today ac is definitely up there and yeah this blue black pre-con seems really strong too and really interesting because mm-hmm. it's not simic
3: yeah will help. <laughs> the rot cleaver yeah it is yeah. blue, though. Blue is just powerful. <laughs> blue is probably the most powerful colour in Commander, I think. But anyway, um, so, yeah, that's that's what I've been doing this week. I've built my Tovelar deck. It's very, very fun. I'm um, looking forward to playing more with it. And uh, I also bought... <laughs> I, w- I went and spl- splashed <laughs> a little bit of money for the uh, for the Werewolf sleeves and the Werewolf deck because the they just look well. so cool. Um, and the Unistrad lands, <laughs> oh, God, everything about it is beautiful. So... Um, yeah, you know, support your local game store mm-hmm. if you're going to splash on stuff like that, and uh, which is what I did. And yeah, I'm, I'm now, happy with s- my purchase. So it was really of, fun. And,
2: speaking and I'm of Tovalar, to sort of mm. there's uh, something... I, I spoke with, with Sam about this very uh-huh. briefly this week, but there's something very interesting that um, uh, Saffron Olive from uh, MTG Goldfish mm-hmm. has noticed this week about deck building with Tovalar. Which is that... Um, Tovalar's mm-hmm. static ability allows you to transform all of your wolves and werewolves,
1: yeah.
2: um, on your upkeep. Is that right, Sam? Yeah.
3: That's correct, yeah. Yes. If you control mm-hmm. three or more So, um, yeah.
2: the idea that Saffron all have had is that if you can turn all of your creatures into wolves or werewolves, mm-hmm. and then potentially all of your permanents into wolves or werewolves, then you could transform all of them, um, each upkeep. Uh, so you could transform mm-hmm. non-werewolf creatures by playing something like Maskwood Nexus, um, Arcane Adaptation. Although that is blue, so you can't play it in Tavala. Um, <laughs> um, I think Mica it nice. uh, yeah. makes everything changelings. Or have I got that wrong?
3: Yeah, Maskwood Nexus is definitely the most uh, simple, mm-hmm. straightforward card because it's it's designed to do what it does, which is every card that even that's not on the battlefield, yeah. so every card in your deck. Uh, has the every creature every
0: type.
3: Every card even has um, aren't creatures. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm pretty sure, yeah, I think, it, every I permanent... Think, well, not a permanent. Mm, it, yeah, it's like every Oscar card Nexus I
2: think might be every creature. No, but the there are there are things like... Um, oh, possibly, I can't remember the name yeah. of the card. Puppet Factory that turns your artifacts into creatures. Okay. Um... Oh, from the, the what well, the puppet stitch, yeah, I might, I might be mixing it up with another.
0: No, that's a, that's some wait, no, yeah. that puppet
2: stitch is the blue oh, okay. card. From no, I'm, I'm thinking of a, a, a different set, card, sorry, yeah. but uh, yeah, so there are ways to oh, here we go turn your artifacts into creatures, uh, turn your lands into creatures, and you know, you know, animate lands and things like that. And so, with some clever deck building, you can actually use 12 hours ability to prematurely flip non typically non-werewolf permanents mm-hmm. into their other sides which opens up a really interesting deck building puzzle you know it's i, I would say it's potentially mm-hmm. abusable like if you find the, a busted enough card and find a way to transform it early i can see that being quite a an interesting thing to experiment the with the thing is though
3: that i i, look, I like that idea but it's it's a deck that relies on a card Mm. in the 99 like if you play a mask with nexus and then it gets destroyed okay now i just have a bunch of bloody eldrazi and vampires that are just on the front (laughs) side forever um so (laughs) it's just yeah it's difficult uh you'd have to run a couple like artifact tutors which you don't really get in red and green um mostly most of those cards come in blue uh so yeah, like in, in a red and green deck, because uh, you're quite restricted to things like strategies like that. But it's, it's a cool idea for sure. If you can run the... Maybe if you're playing a format where you get to play like an Oathbreaker mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of commander game, but you get to run an artifact of instead. Who knows? There's some, there's some weird home rule <laughs> table.
2: It's, it's definitely uh, on the junk that, side. That, you know, mm-hmm. you can um, play that. But it is, it is just an interesting idea that I think yeah. I hadn't really thought of. Uh, and I like that. I, I do like thinking of, you know, yeah. ways to potentially break cards that sound like they might be garbage, uh, but you know, in the right circumstances, could be super broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. Plus, you know, if you were to, if you wanted to build the deck a bit more carefully, you could play a bunch of cards that you may be able to flip anyway, uh, that just get better if you're able to play them with Tovelar and turn them into a werewolf. You know, that yeah. would probably yes, be the sweet spot. Yeah. That's fair.
3: Cool. But yeah, I think the the main the main idea of the deck is, and the the the, the text on Tovalar itself was designed so that it could flip all of the old Innistrad werewolves as well, because um, instead of saying something like flip all your daybound permanents, because uh, obviously the old Innistrad wolves didn't have daybound, they just had, they have the text that says daybound on it basically, hmm. but not the actual keyword, because that, that that's the thing. Like all of the old werewolves will say. Transform this if you've played two spells this turn, and then the other side would say, Transform this if no spells have been played this turn, <laughs> something like that. So, uh, yeah, Tovelar's designed so that it can flip the old werewolves as well, because then it'd be pretty useless because all of the werewolves, yeah, in the new werewolf <laughs> set kind of stuff. Yeah,
2: they they could definitely, kind of and I think that was intentional, <laughs> um, they could easily have done something like uh, Tovelar's static ability instead oh. of transforming all warbs and werewolves, it just said, uh, all permanents with day bound or night bound. Um, uh and exactly. then it would have restricted yeah. it to the new set so it definitely uh good thinking from wizards by making sure that they include all the old werewolves too
0: mm-hmm.
2: all right um so yeah what did you want to
3: sort of focus so, this episode on as Sarah? i said
0: it was why do people hate the stuff they hate in magic and this comes from uh when we were at our local game store mm-hmm. playing commander on friday me yeah, an experience <laughs> an experience I had, you had where um <laughs> Somebody from another play group came over and asked to borrow one of our decks and after like looking at everybody's uh he decided on my Atraxa Infect deck went back over to his play group and within about 2 minutes came over with a loud gentleman who just sort of said no no Atraxa no infect said <laughs> lots of shouty words and then walked away Yeah and I know everyone hates infect but <laughs> it just it led me to think of what why why do we hate the things we hate in Magic. Why do people hate Infect?
2: Well, I think to get to the bottom of that we first gotta to start to think about the things that people hate. hmm um, so well, I have a
0: few. <laughs> yeah. Not that I hate, but that I think people hate.
2: What do you hate in magic?
0: I think the number one thing I actually hate is land destruction. hmm Because it's just so bullshit and kind of rude and annoying. Like <laughs> I would much rather I don't know. I was going to say I'd much rather have my board wiped and have my lands than have no lands. But I don't know if... No, I think I would. Because, especially in the decks I play, I can pretty much always recover from board wipes. Whereas how do you recover from no lands? Like... Yeah.
3: Maybe that's the...
0: Well, yeah, that's why that's I hate it. That's why it's it. so powerful, I... then. Even, not even just mass land destruction. That is annoying. But when somebody, Josh targets your only planes repeatedly so you can only play half the spells in your deck just yeah land destruction is is number one
3: to be fair though that that would have been I'm not that sure what card that would have slime. been from Josh, that would only have been like a yeah. couple cards acidic slime exactly so that, yeah, oh, that, oh, yeah and it's you're first because he's flickering yeah. okay
2: alright so a lot of these things I have small elements of a lot of these <laughs> things in my decks I do think mass land destruction I also don't like yeah um because it, it, it longs out the game so much. Yeah, a, yeah. a land destruction um, deck would be the but- name. I like to think I run acidic slime as a finisher. <laughs> um, just to make sure that I am actually closing out the game more mm-hmm. quickly. But yeah, maybe that's super shitty. One thing that I uh, definitely do not like in Magic is uh, stacks and pillow fort strategies. Where you are... Um, you know, in it putting taxes yeah. on your opponents doing things like attacking you, casting creatures, drawing cards, stuff like that, um, and pillow fort strategies where you're, you know, uh, just maximizing your defense and life gain and meaning making things so that nobody can attack you with creatures, mm-hmm. uh, I think is just, it feels to me like, you know, we have a game to play, we have fun to have, and you're just not gonna do any of that and it just seems like uh just seems too, like I would rather just somebody just engage with the game yeah. and try and build like an interesting narrative for the game, which you cannot do if you just sat in a corner shaking a stick at everybody who comes <laughs> close and, and you're just hiding. It kind of it reminds me of um let's say you're on the playground and you're playing tag um and one kid just uh (laughs) thinks he's a genius and climbs up a tree or something so nobody Mm -hmm. can get him and it's like just come down and play the freaking game
1: (laughs) uh (laughs) so i don't like stacks and pillow fort strats okay so One of the decks
3: that I don't like specifically um, is, or one of the strategies rather, is storm strategies. Um, storm storm decks in commander as well, and and I guess in any format really, uh, they tend to kind of play like by themselves a little bit. They don't. They're not very. They don't do much with other people. And the way to beat those decks, uh, for example, we do have a couple of storm decks in our play group, and the way to interact and beat those decks would be to just get them you know, out of the like, game early yeah, stop them, on the Stop their yeah. combo going off yeah either get them out of the game early and, and stop their mm-hmm. combo pieces from ever surviving like killing so Joyra for example we just keep on killing Joyra and I feel like that makes for a kind of lame sort of game because it's just like all yeah, right whose turn is it to kill Joyra? so that we can continue playing the, the game storm <laughs> and as
0: well to just repeatedly have your commander kill for the person playing it
2: as
3: well
0: that, yeah. like at a certain point i'd be like well, well there's just not even any point playing her and then they're not doing yeah. anything
2: i think storm yeah it can be very um like in a normal commander game fun ebbs and flows
0: mm-hmm.
1: through
2: the game uh, when you're a storm player, you're not having fun yeah. until the 20 minute turn where you win, and then, everybody and then nobody else. else is having <laughs> fun. Else is so, sad. so it's very much like off and then on. Yeah. And if it's... you get knocked out before you have that turn, then you've, you've never had fun. Yeah. You've not had fun through the whole game, and so yeah. Do you know what's worse though is when and... they
0: take a 20 minute turn and then they don't even win, because then you know they're going to have to. That's going to happen again. <laughs> That's worse.
3: Yes, exactly. And the way to combat that, the way to sort of uh, get, get against that is to have your deck built so that there's multiple game plans uh, what I can think of for example Josh your Shu Yun deck if you had storm elements in that deck if you had a, a deck if you had a turn where you can just storm off but you're also prowessing all your creatures I think that would be so much cooler because the early game you're still interacting with other people and playing a board state and then you have one turn where you just finish the game you know, in, in, in style and in and a good fashion, and you know you're going to finish the game. And, for example, when we played, when you and I played the other week against uh, some, one, of the, one of the others in the local game store, they were playing a Jeskai Elshire deck, and I thought that was a really fun game because they, they finished us with a combo. Uh, it was a Sensei's Divining Top combo, and I thought that was interesting because throughout the game they were playing and they were interacting with us and then they finished off with a combo piece and we were just like, yeah, that's it, you win. And I, for me no, that was I
2: actually disagree. Yeah. yeah. You disagree? Um Yeah, I do. This is actually one of the things that I dislike okay. about Magic. Yeah. Uh so we were playing against somebody who had a deck that was Elsha the Infinite, El- Elsha of the Infinite, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a taking turns deck. Yeah. Um Elsha's static ability What's that mean? uh play cards that let you take extra turns
0: oh okay literally
2: yeah um uh Elshir's static ability lets you look at the top card of your library and you can play it if it's a non-creature mm-hmm. sensei's dividing top is a one mana artifact colorless that lets you draw put the top card of your library in look at the top card of your library put it into your hand and then put sensei's dividing Wait. top from the battlefield on top of your library is that correct
3: i think it's, it's yeah so you can tap it to to draw a card um, yeah, so you tap it to draw a card and put the, the Sensei's Divining Top on top of the library, but you can also pay one mana yeah. to look at the top three cards and put them back in any order, which is why it's really powerful.
2: No, 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 no. That That's that's good, but the the infinite combo comes from the tapping. Um, yeah, yeah. Because what you can do is you can play Sensei's Divining Top, tap it, draw a card, put it back on top of your library, um, and then with Elsha's ability, since it's a non-creature, you can pay one colourless mana Uh, or one of any colour, one generic mana, and then play it again and draw another card and play it again. So for one mana, Mm -hmm. you can keep drawing cards. Uh, Then if you have something that makes your Mm artefacts cheaper, like Joyra's Familiar, which is what this deck used, um, you can draw through your whole library for free. Yeah. 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 Um, So, with Elsha as the commander, and having always have access to Elsha, that is a two-card combo that lets you draw through your whole library. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joira's Familiar and Sensei's Divining Top which are generic ca- generic mana to cast both because they're colourless spells
1: Yeah,
2: uh, they're fairly cheap and it's a two card win mm-hmm. if you have a way to win when you draw your whole library which most people will con- take into consideration as well
0: so do you not um, like easy combos?
2: yeah so I don't like two card combos so that deck is really interesting Elsha taking turns but then if you just jam in two or three, you know, two card infinite combos. I think that's, I don't like that. I think that's like, okay, I'm going to build this interesting deck, but I'm going to put in four different ways that I can just win on the spot for no reason. I, I feel like that's against the spirit of casual commander where, you know, I think you should go into a game of commander like okay i've got this interesting deck and i'm gonna play and see if i win i think that jamming yeah. those combos into your deck makes it more about like okay well you know i'll play this deck maybe i'll have fun uh, maybe i'll just draw this combo and win whatever uh, and it just puts more emphasis on the winning than the having fun so i actually don't like uh two card infinite combos okay it's
1: one of but the things that the... i
2: dislike about magic
3: but it comes down to personal preference then because i would prefer to sit i would prefer to see that happen than watch someone storm off for 20 minutes and then win, because it's one of those things where you know they're going to win, but you have to kind of just maybe sit there for that one percent chance that they somehow brick and they make a mistake. And <laughs> I just feel like that's boring. I'd rather just, I'd rather just be like, yeah, you win. Like it's one of those things where it's like you could either let the storm player play out their turn or scoop straight away. Just like all right, next game, or and then then nobody has fun because the storm player doesn't even get to do what they do, or that person. The, the you know the Elsha player they just you know they play a, a combo and they win, um, and that that could be that could be the same for any deck as well. Like Lord win, Lord Wingrace has two card combos, uh, Gitrog Monster as well. That Gitrog Monster and Dakmo Salvage those are cards that I have in Wingrace that could win off the win off uh, win straight away as well, because mm-hmm. um, that would let me draw my whole deck. And it's it's I don't know it's it's a combo finisher which I think is a better. It's it's better that for things like that to exist than. Yeah, I don't know. It's difficult. It's difficult to imagine. It's kind of like a control deck. Imagine a control deck in standard with a combo finisher. That's how I would picture it. Um, an an example of that would be, I guess, I mean, an example of that would be Solte Ultimatum. Uh, once it slaps down the ultimatum, it just generally just wins. That's away.
2: just a one card combo. <laughs> um, that's a what, one card combo. About, exactly. It's a combo about finisher. What Wilderness Wreck and Explosion? Is that you there? You go. That's, that's a, another. That's another. Yeah.
3: Yeah, uh, that was a control deck with a combo finisher. Because mm-hmm. you play, you're playing team of colors. The early game is all about getting, you know, bouncing their creatures. You're playing stuff like Unsummon and Shock and Bonecrusher Giant, so that you can control the early game. Yeah. And then once you get to four mana, you slap your Wilderness Wreck down, and then you're untapping all of your land so that you can keep on controlling the game until you reach your combo finisher. Mm-hmm. That I think is more interactive because there is a way to beat that in, you know, s- smashing them down with a faster aggressive deck. Um, being able to you know smash that out so it's it's more interactive that way because you know there is a way to defeat them with that uh with that strategy in mind and then once they get to their once they get to the the turns where they can draw their whole deck you know it's not like they can do it early because if you draw your whole deck in the first like two turns (laughs) then you're just discarding 92 cards or something um so like it is is at that point in the game where they're able to pull that combo off. I feel like they should be winning anyway, if that makes sense. Because um, it's <laughs> quite late to the game already. <laughs> um,
2: yeah. But I do think, whilst I disagree with, uh, we we, I th- we seem to disagree on on two card infinite combos. Um, but I think that <laughs> you touched on uh, what I believe is the ultimate reason why these are kind of the notoriously most you know hated things mm-hmm. in Magic. Hmm. Um, I think that it comes down to interactivity. Being mm-hmm. able to interact with what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the time, you can't interrupt a two card combo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just wins on the spot. And I think that that makes for a pretty lame game. Uh, pillow fort strategies and stacks strategies, so the point is that you can't interact with yeah. them. Uh, it, it defeats the point, the purpose of interacting and sometimes you just can't do stuff which I don't particularly find fun mm-hmm.
1: um,
2: Infect mm-hmm. is you, so it's very difficult to interact with the poison counters being on you uh, yeah. similar to commander damage which a lot of people also don't really like about commander uh, you can't interact mm-hmm. with commander damage you can't gain life to negate it yeah. and so it's, it's very difficult to deal with uh, impossible to deal yeah. with a lot of the time Uh, Unless you're going to run, that's something we've rolled out in our playgroup.
0: Yeah, we've pretty much got rid of command damage. We have,
2: yeah. Uh, So unless you're going to run like that one black spell from War of the Spark, uh, Price of Loyalty or something that lets you remove five counters from a player, Uh, Hmm. you can't really interact with Infect, uh, which Hmm. is, I think, what people don't like about it. Um, Mass land destruction, mana is kind of how you interact with stuff, and so. I uh Yeah, I, I don't know. You can interact with land destruction, but it does just mean that somebody else can't play as much of the game. Maybe that's it. Maybe people just don't like land destruction because unless you're using it to finish a game, it just longs out a game. Yeah. Um, and nobody wants to play particularly long games of magic.
0: Yeah, I would have no problem somebody destroying everybody's lands just so they made sure their win-con definitely happened because nobody could do anything about it. What I don't like, which is what happened the other week, in especially in a four-player game, um, and he was also the Storm player, so it was just a whole heap of shit. He destroyed all of our yeah. lands. And then I convinced one other player that we should just scoot because we all had such high life that it was going to take quite a while for us to actually die, but we were just going to sit yeah. there and do nothing. And then one player new to the game. <laughs> and I get it. I was there. You know, It's called magic yeah. for a reason. You never scoop. Which I still think is true. However, you do this scoop is, when there's no lands. It, this is
2: incorrect. Yes, <laughs> you, When somebody temporal fishes all of your lands, you scoop them.
0: Yeah, you do. You and scoop. I, I scooped and somebody else scooped and the other person was convinced that they could come back from it and we had maybe a couple more turns and then I had to buy them a Pepsi in order for them to scoop.
3: Okay, yeah. I was about to ask <laughs> who it was, and now I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it wasn't. It is the other one.
3: Oh, wait, really? Yeah.
0: Okay.
3: <laughs> uh, I would have just been like, bro, little brother of mine, <laughs> no. You, you, I'm scooping for you. <laughs> I did
0: try. I explained. I was like, nothing's going to happen. We're just going to sit here and imagine... That the storm player has another twenty-minute turn, and we've not even been able to do anything on our turn, so that's even worse. See, I don't mind that
2: actually. What? Maybe that's because biased... you're a storm player. <laughs> yeah, a storm to be fair, player. you're a storm
0: player.
3: Yeah,
2: but I would consider a storm for fifteen or twenty temporal fisher to be a finisher. Um, and yeah, there's nothing like wrong with I would that. do that, and I would expect everybody to scoop. If they didn't, then okay, you're going to make me play out the game. Fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're the other players, like if. So if you're not scooping, you want to play out the game. That's fine. That's what you want to do. I'm happy to play out the game too because I'm the storm player yeah. who's winning. And the other players who did want to scoop, they can just walk away from the pod. They can go grab a drink, get something to eat, stretch their legs, talk to people. That, like that it's, feels it's like not that big it's a deal, not a big deal, right? Right. I don't know. I, that and that also situation that's me. not
0: always going to be the case. Like it depends what depends on what you're playing. If you can then play another game. Like if you didn't want to just start a two-player game or something then you would just have to wait Mm.
2: that's so i think that you have to be okay with that though otherwise you end up like if you are afraid to scoop or knock people out of the game Mm -hmm. that is i think most of the time what causes games between inexperienced players to go on too long because they're afraid to knock people out of the game because they're just gonna be sat around waiting or something. Mm-hmm. No, I think that actually to speed up games of magic and, and make them more interactive and fun, you need to knock people out. You need to be okay with people scooping and perhaps just walking away from the pod and relaxing for a bit. Uh, if, you're, if you go into a, a night of Commander games expecting to be playing Commander every minute of the game, then actually I think that's just gonna detract from the experience. You have to be open to games finishing and uh, people scooping and getting knocked out. And potentially Mm. not playing uh, in a game for 15, 20 minutes or something while a game concludes and they're knocked out. Otherwise, you, like, yeah, I think it needs to be a fact of life when you play Commander that you may get knocked out and not play for a little while while the game resolves itself.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think the error in that scenario lied with the person. Laid? Lay? Lay with the person? lay Let No. Don't do this, don't do this <laughs> again like you did the other week and you convinced me a card was... lay
2: Okay. lay
0: I. <laughs> what were you saying, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember now. I'm basically trying to say that I think the person who was in the wrong there, and I'm using wrong very loosely, only because I can't figure out if it's lay or lied or whatever, is the, per- the person that didn't scoop. Yeah.
1: Because
0: they also didn't end up having any fun
1: (laughs) yeah
2: but that's all that's (laughs) kind of their responsibility
0: yeah like the the storming it's it's, it's one of those
3: things where yeah so carry on
0: i was gonna say the storming and getting rid of all the lands better if you can then finish straight away but also if you have if you're like an experienced magic player to an extent you would assume that after destroying three players boards of lands that they would just scoop so it is it is a finisher bargaining on people just going yep we can't come back from this
2: i think that's difficult mm-hmm. to enforce though because whilst you looked at the board state and assessed okay nobody has lands but one player
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh there's no way we can win oh,
0: this actually can i actually just Jump in and say mm-hmm. they did uh-huh. also get rid of everything on the board. Yeah,
2: so yeah, that's like, all permanent. Yes, except it own. wasn't
0: just like la- because that I think that changes things. Yeah,
2: yeah. So you, oh, yeah, you can yeah, way, you know yeah. you know how to play the game. You look at that and you think, well, there's just no way that we can win. Three empty um, boards. What if I am such an experienced and talented Magic player? What if that, uh, we draw seven cards each at the start of the game mm-hmm. and I say, right, let me look at everybody's hands. I look at everybody's hands and I'm like, Sarah's going to win. Let's just scoop like that is the a uh, really extreme example. I was going to say, that's, but I don't you think would that's probably true. say, um, no, I would mean, we can still play out the game because that's not guaranteed. And then, you know, I'd be like, well, I already, looking at your hand versus mine, I know that you're going to win, so I scoop. I'm yes, going to play out the
0: game. I do uh, think that's a, that's a really extreme example. That's, that's a really extreme
2: example, yes. But my point yeah. is <laughs> that... Um,
0: for somebody that's pro-scooping as well, that's a massively over-exaggerated example. Uh,
2: <laughs> that's, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah th- my, my point is that um, when it comes to determining when you should scoop, I do think that one of the things that you should consider when you're deciding whether or not to scoop is the other people at the table, not just you and the person who's mm-hmm. winning. You know, like, I'm not very likely at all to win this game. Um... And so if I just scoop, we can go on and play another game. I think, I think that's a, a worthwhile assessment. Yeah. But it isn't always obvious to a player whether they should scoop or not. Mm-hmm. Um, case in point, actually, one of the games that w- I played on Friday, um, I was quote unquote winning the game. Knocked out one player, was ready to knock out another.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then I scooped and everybody thought I scooped to make the other player feel better about their, you know, about their night. As uh, in the just, one
0: that you knocked out first?
2: Uh, no, no, the, the, the person I was uh, I was playing against. You okay. know, it got down to a 1v1 situation and I scooped seemingly out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Seemingly out of the blue to all the other players in the pod at the time. Um, but it wasn't out of the blue. I looked at their board. I looked at their cards. I looked at the cards in my hand and I knew I couldn't win. So Mm -hmm. I just scooped. Uh, But it's possible that any other player in that pod in my position would have carried on playing it out because they didn't see what I saw, which was that I was going to lose the game.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, So uh, two players have already been knocked out. So I just scooped. But I do think that many other players uh, in that position wouldn't have scooped there, would have continued playing, trying to find a win. Uh, I just I, I I felt that there wasn't one, uh, and so I think it's a really really. What I'm trying to say is that I'm, I think it's a really unspecific science about when to scoop. I do think it's very likely that if your whole board has been bounced, including, including lands. your lands, and two players have scooped, you should probably scoop. It's just the <laughs> yeah. considerate thing to do for them. Um, but I think mm. that there is just not a hard and fast rule that you can apply mm-hmm. because it's really it's really difficult to know
0: i agree but like like you said i do think there are some always obvious situations and something like that feels like it would always be obvious unless you had a deck that had really low cost spells so that after a couple of turns of building your mana back up you'd actually maybe still have a chance of winning but then even then i think you'd be too far behind but I feel like if if three players' boards, including lands, are wiped back to their hands, yeah, did, nobody can come back from that, right?
2: Probably not. Well, you but know, there is always the.
3: There's always Deflecting Palm. It's one of my favourite cards. <laughs> <Yeah. choices. laughs> There's Deflecting Palm. I have done that before. <laughs> but Deflecting
2: Palm on, say, a Grape Shot deflects one point of damage, so it doesn't really help against Storm. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, there are, against, like, like, the... We were just yeah. discussing, um, like, two and three card combos mm-hmm. that win the game on the spot. Many of them mm-hmm. t- cost, in total, four mana or less. Yes. Uh, there are CEDH combos that can win on turn three, turn four, and so against a Storm deck, which isn't inherently aggressive, you could still win if you were playing that kind of deck. Uh, but n- unexperienced, inexperienced players don't yeah, that, that necessarily... That like a horrible game. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it does. It's a Storm uh, versus a CDH deck. Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> inexperienced players don't a necessarily know that. Like, uh, a more experienced player can look at the cards on the board, the cards in their hand, know the cards in their deck, and know that there is no way for them to win.
0: I and, think that's a very mm-hmm. experienced player.
2: I feel like I do that. Thanks for the compliment. Um, uh, but a uh, an inexperienced player might genuinely not like they might think, well, if if like I don't know how quickly this storm deck can kill me. He hasn't actually done any damage to me. I've still got full life. Mm. So if I and he's used his bounce spell. So if I can just play out four more turns, get four lands on the battlefield, then I'm back in the game. Um, and you know, I I don't think. I think I can see the line of logic that a player might follow to think they could still win that game.
3: I think you can compare it to poker. You know, about you know when you fold in poker, because, or, or if you if you've if you've watched that Brooklyn Nine Nine episode where Captain Holt uh, is instructing Jake on how to play poker, mm-hmm. um, he Captain Holt uses like mathematics and and probability to decide that he needs to fold for like the next thirty games because mm-hmm. um, he's like. <laughs> mathematically we cannot win so he folds and I was like yeah that's the fair choice because if you would have put any more money in you would have just lost it uh so they ended up just going like 30 games lost because of luck obviously but maybe you can compare it to that it's like you know probability wise I'm just gonna lose this game so I'm just gonna fold but you know some people are taking that chance and maybe they would have would have won
2: yes probably
3: a stupid idea yeah
2: I I (laughs) will play a game um with low odds of winning but but not that um, low. Yeah, not that low. Yeah. But that is that is really hard for a newer player to assess. It's hard to assess what yeah. the l- odds of winning are.
1: Mm.
2: Like, even that game that I scooped, which, which I was talking about earlier, I guess, potentially, I could have won if my opponent felt so tilted that they didn't attack for the next three turns. <laughs> I drew a board wipe, played it, and we started over. Uh, but the odds of that are just so slim that it's Mm. uh, I'll just scoop and it seems like it's coming out of nowhere, but I've just, you know, I look, I look at the cards that I've got, I take the information that I've got and all the information that I know about my deck. And I just think it's so unlikely that I'm going to win. I might as well just, just pick up the cards. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that is a really difficult assessment for a newer player to make. And so I think that if a newer player wants to, and, and I think you learn by doing it, I think that you learn that you should just scoop in that situation by playing with no lands against a fully developed storm deck.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, And so I think that in that situation, the other players should just think, okay, yeah, all right, uh, you know, we'll just just get up and stretch our legs and get a drink and talk to some people and that's fine, you know?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, in conclusion, uh, (laughs) Infect is for losers.
0: Um, No. In conclusion, well, that's the thing. I think Infect is cool. Thank you, Sam. I think Infect
3: is fine. It's not as inter- the poison counters aren't interactable, but it's still based on you know creatures swinging and attacking. Yeah, you, you have is, to you have to get the to
0: damage through.
3: through. Yeah, it yeah, it's it's it's, still it's magic. not straight up mm-hmm. BS kind of. I cast two spells, I win. It's mm-hmm. you know I draw I draw seven cards from my deck and hopefully I can play some Infect creatures and, and also
0: it's as, as soon a strategy. as people realize you're playing Infect, you are hated. Mm -hmm. So it makes it even more difficult.
2: So Infect as a strategy, I think, is actually fine. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think perhaps if you had uh, um, made it clear with your Infect deck that it revolves really heavily. Yeah, it revolves heavily around getting Infect damage on people and then proliferating them to death. Mm -hmm. That is, I'm going to say, the honest way to do Infect.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, But stuff like... um, What's the something of the Hordes? Triumph
0: of the Hordes. Triumph
2: of the Hordes which is just an like it, that oh, yeah. can that can be an uninteractable you lose the game now out of mm. nowhere that can go from 0 to a 100 like that um, same I take with
0: the
2: deck then potentially same with blightsteel colossus like blightsteel out of the deck then <laughs> uh, blightsteel
0: colossus.
2: <laughs> like, Blight Steel... the <laughs> Blight colossus you know <laughs> play it swing kill someone immediately fling it at someone else kill them immediately like and it's just it depends it... Sarah, like it's it, it immediately... depends on the power, what
3: you want, the power level of the deck.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It immediately goes from zero to game over.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: and that I don't really enjoy. That's the same with two card combos. Uh, mm-hmm. In one turn, it can go from zero to game over. And that that that's not very interactive and I think isn't very fun. I don't
0: know about Whereas... Time of the Hordes, though.
2: Oh, definitely. No. Plus two, plus two, an in Infect to all your creatures. Yes,
0: to all your creatures. But in my deck, especially... All of my creatures is never more than two because people just remove them straight away.
2: Yeah, and so and in, they also in already your deck, both
0: yeah, exactly. of them.
2: You play a deck with lots of infect creatures, and the idea is to get them in for damage and then proliferate people to yes. death. That's interactable. That's uh, something that you can fight against. Mm-hmm. You can desperately trade your creatures to avoid getting a counter. Once you've got a counter, you can try and keep your proliferate creatures at bay, and so that you can interact with that. Mm-hmm. Um, if say Sam's Tovelar deck. If he slipped Triumph of the Hordes in yeah,
0: there, that, then
2: it would just be like, okay, I'm gonna swing I... in for a big attack, nobody's gonna do anything, alright, infect you all uh, and it's just non interactable, <laughs> everybody loses the game. That and that's not fun. Why are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's on my
1: list. Yeah, but then I, I was like, okay, it's all, not a I'll take it out.
0: It's not actually in it's good is the it can win in any creature deck, really. Yes. It doesn't matter that it's Triumph the
2: of the hordes is better in a normal, stompy yeah. deck. Than it is in your infect based deck. Yeah,
0: isn't it yeah. mainly because definitely... Attractor doesn't have infect and all of my proliferate creatures don't. So it just makes it that little bit mm-hmm. better. Yeah. But yeah.
2: You play infect in a fairly honest way. Uh, infect isn't liked because of its interactivity, mm-hmm. but the mechanic itself is not actually the worst. Same. So uh, the I changed my storm deck because people didn't like how interactive it was. Not <laughs> how interactive it wasn't. <laughs> wasn't. Um, I changed it to kind of a monk based prowess deck and it still has a lot of those storm elements the goal is to play cantrips play lots of spells in one turn to prowess up all of my monks mm-hmm. but then i have the mm-hmm. added step where i have to have lots of monks to attack with to kill someone and just at having that extra step adds a bunch of interactability to the deck which makes it not lame
1: Basically. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um,
3: do you
1: know you... what's
2: really interesting
3: say again um, sorry carry on Josh you carry on I was just going to point something out
2: oh I was just going to okay. say um, uh, you do a similar thing with your infect deck people typically don't like infect but you play it in a way where you have the extra step where you, you have to infect people and then proliferate mm-hmm. them to death uh, and that added extra step adds a layer of interactability mm-hmm. to the deck which uh, which makes it a lot more fun yeah um, makes it feel a lot fairer, and I think that is the trick. You can play those strategies that people usually don't like.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, the problem with them is when you play them in such a way where it's like the the win is zero to a hundred, uh, or with storm decks you have to knock them out before they ever do anything. Stacks and pillow fort, you have to kill them before they ever do anything. So it's either eliminate them or they just win. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's zero. That's binary magic, um, and that's not fun. When you ha- add those extra steps, like, uh, I'm gonna... Uh, so I play some stacks effects, like, we, we play Smothering Tithe and Rhystic Study, those are all stacks yeah. effects, but just a little. And I play some land destruction, like Acidic Slime, but just a little. Because then it's not just it's not just binary, like, uh, if you don't kill me by this turn, I'm gonna destroy all your land, and then I'm just gonna win. Yeah. Uh, that That's <laughs> not fun. But... I'm going to destroy your one planes because I know that you need white and you're going to struggle to,
0: you know, piece together
2: a win when you're strangled like that's that I think is is tactfully limiting your resources, which is
0: pretty much always tactfully just limit my resources. Your
2: decks struggle (laughs) with lands very often, which makes them really good targets for targeted land removal. yeah, I've, I've kind of unraveled my point a little bit, but that is what I want to say, that I think you can play these strategies that are typically hated on by just thinking about ways to make them easier to interact with and make it a little bit more challenging for yourself to snag, snag the win. Mm-hmm. That makes a deck much more fun. Okay, yeah, yeah, I
0: like that. So I'm a good Infect player, basically.
2: I would say you play an honest Infect deck, I would definitely not say you were a good good Infect player. Do you say
0: I'm a good Magic player?
2: I would definitely say that you play Magic.
0: (laughs) I won all of my games on Friday. Did you win any of your games on Friday? (laughs) And you know what I won with? Decks that weren't mine. That means I'm a better Magic player. Well
2: done, Sarah.
0: Thank you very much, Sally. Very
2: very good, Sarah.
0: Shut up, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I think we should send it there because... It, no yeah. truer sentence has ever been spoken or agreed with across the world then shut up josh
2: yeah. shut up josh <laughs> i can't even retort because you're going to be editing this episode
0: yeah i am
2: <laughs> you should just edit him to make him sound really dumb yeah
3: um,
0: no editing required
3: <laughs> <laughs> nice
1: <laughs> roasted. <Well. laughs> before well, this a...
0: descends anymore um we will say goodbye if you like mm-hmm. what we do and the shit that we say. Please follow us on chit- uh, Chitter. <laughs> please follow us on Chitterstorm. Twitter. I quite like Chitterstorm. Is that no. a card as well?
2: That sounds off-putting. Shit. Chitterstorm. Yeah. Shitstorm. Shitstorm. Welcome we to our we'd... podcast, Shitstorm.
0: Welcome to Shitstorm. <laughs> um, again, in in the sentence where I was trying to stop us derailing with derailed. We follow do. us on Twitter, Chatterstorm Pod. Uh, We'll catch you guys next week. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye.
3: Let me see if you can hear my clap. I just did it. Yeah, so it, it is noise suppression, yeah. But if I- if I talk while I clap, then you'll be able to hear it, cause look. La 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 (laughs) la la la.